Listening to the Carl and J Man Saves the World podcast. I am your co host, the five star, five diamond chef, J Man. And with me is my co host, the one, and thank God he's the only, Carl. <laughs> Man, where did you come up with your radio voice? I've been practicing in the off season. Man, we're back. We are we're back. back. We're back, people. Give a round of applause, everybody. All right. They tried to get rid of us, but uh, it didn't happen. No, it didn't. You know, <laughs> I I became Facebook famous over the over the course. So <laughs> I think I I think I have zero uh you know zero numbers from ladies. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'm O and O and O. I I think that's believable. <laughs> I believe that to be true. So we're, how, we're back for season. We two. are back for season, season two. Season of two. The Carl and J Man Save Podcast. It's there's there's a lot of new things, right? Yeah. One of the new things is we changed the name of the podcast. We changed the name of the podcast. We went from Carl and J Man Saves the World Podcast. Now we're the Carl and J Man Save the World Podcast. Yeah, we're not Res anymore. So we, 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 we got, took we, out we, we, we took out our Navajo side. Yeah, we the took side's gone. <laughs> So that S is gone from the save. Yeah. So that's perfect. And so how how have you been? I've been wonderful. You've been, been wonderful. And yeah, I've excited been, to get back. I, I'm very excited to to talk about what we're going to be talking about uh-huh. right now. And so some of the new things for this year is that aside from the name adjustment, is that uh, we're also actually this season we are actually going to have special guests. Yes, special guests. Special I can't guests wait till will be special guests us to help us on this mission to save the world. Yeah, and we're going to have uh, both uh, male and female guests that are going to be coming on and talking about their experiences, how they relate to the outside world, and how we how we Native Americans or how we Hopis. Um, just view Bahanas in general, I guess you could say. I can't wait for the female guests to come on to see how uh, how hard you sweat through I, that shirt of yours. <laughs> I'm going to have my black marker just in case I have to uh, sign some autographs. You better bring a, a change of clothes for, for those times. There's a shower in this building somewhere. I know that. So just and, in case I got to freshen up. And another new thing is that we're actually going to be pushing merchandise. Yes, we in we, season we, two. We actually do have T-shirts are in order right now and stickers, which will we will be selling, uh, hopefully. Uh, to the mass public here in the near future in the near future so you know we appreciate your support in listening to exactly. us exactly and, and now we would appreciate your support in buying our merch yes buying our merch supporting us go to anchor.fm uh to donate um you know be a contributor uh to our podcast so we can actually uh, do more episodes for you uh with your support there and season one was a wild success. Yes. It was successful beyond our wildest I, dreams. I did not think that we would make it that far. <laughs> <laughs> you thought we would have killed each other. I thought I would have I thought I would have murdered you by then, <laughs> but you know. But speaking but uh, it, it, Oh, go ahead. Uh, well, speaking of merchandising and speaking of like our marketing 
that we're kind of pushing right now, I want to um, acknowledge a special person that we just hired. We hired somebody? We hired somebody. We actually hired we somebody. We actually hired somebody and the highest paid person here <laughs> at CJ Podcast. Uh, her name is uh, Kelly. Welcome to the team, Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. I, you know, she, uh, she's actually here in the studio right now. Uh, if you could come to the mic and just say hello. Um, I mean, <laughs> she's actually our, our marketing person here. So chief branding. She, officer. Yeah. She's going to be uh, doing all of the artwork and she's going to be doing all of the uh, pushing us through to get through all of these episodes here for season two. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> Kelly, all right, all right. Thank, you, thank you, thank you, Kelly, thank you, Kelly. Right. Uh, her Hopi name, as uh, if I can remember, Yori Haunim. You're a round of applause, you're a round of applause. Okay. So let's go ahead and get uh, down to brass yeah, let's go. Let's go ahead and get down to. Get down uh, to saving the world. <laughs> Since 1985. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, today, I, I think that, you know, we kind of had this, um, <clears throat> see, we had this uh, kind of discussion in terms of, you know, what are some topics that we can talk about uh, to bring in season two with the bang? Because last season and season one, I think the thing that we talked about mostly was kind of uh, mostly reminiscing, talking about our experiences growing up on the reservation or experiences as Hopis uh, coming from such a unique culture and then, you know, uh, or obtaining the information that we obtained here and then going off into different places uh, to the urban areas and then having that experience. But for this season, we definitely wanted to talk about things uh, that were a little bit more contemporary. Yeah. Talk about things that related to us today. Yeah. And uh, so some of those things that uh, probably relate to a lot of you. And so for today, our topic is uh, leadership. Yes. Leadership here on the Hopi Reservation versus leadership on off the reservation, I guess you could say Le- leadership here on the hope your reservation or lack thereof <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> and so this idea of leadership is such a robust and such a broad topic yeah right? because i mean you think about leadership it's not necessarily just these high positions of power you know like no. the president of the no. united states the mayor of arizona or um the mayor of k-town or you know those types of things wait wait K-Town has a mayor? I believe it. they have a governor. Oh, okay. All right. So I, I kind of got mixed up. So yeah, are they the same? Are, is governor and mayor the same? I don't know. You I, know what? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I never knew about that. And so in regards to uh, leadership, uh, what, what's your interpretation of this word leadership? When you think of this word leader, what comes to mind? I think I think you're referring to like person of of someone who has the knowledge to help individuals or help a crowd um, pass through difficult difficult times or maybe lead them in a in a certain position or a certain way uh, to become successful. I think that's basically what a leader is. Correct I, me if I'm wrong. You're always wrong, but. Uh... <laughs> Have you ever been in a position of leadership before? Yes. When I was in seventh grade, I was Stucco uh, president. Stucco, S-T-U-C-C-O. Stucco? What does that stand for? I don't know. (laughs) 
All I know is that I was elected by my class and say that Carl should be Stuco president. And I'm like, yes, I should. And wait, did my call my name? <laughs> it, was, it was one of those jokes where, yeah, let's elect this real geeky kid to be the president. Well, let's we'll show them. <laughs> this is probably how it went down. Um, probably like, you know, let's let's elect the, the most dumbest person here in the class. Who's the dumbest person besides Richard? <laughs> And they're like, oh, Carl's the dumbest person here. Let's let Carl. <laughs> I remember when I was when I was in seventh grade, uh, we had a meeting for Stuco, and I didn't I didn't know what was Stuco. All I knew was that it was supposed still to know what Stuco I still is. don't know what Stuco is. And I, I remember going to the gym because that's where all the leaders, quote unquote, leaders went, and we had a meeting. And I had no idea what what we were supposed to do. I know we were supposed to like donate something, but I hate meetings. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I think that um, well, I, I guess in terms of leadership or the word leader, my interpretation of of what a good leader is, um, I always equated a leader similar to that of a of a garbage man. Okay, they they take out the trash. Yeah, they clean yeah. up. Okay, and you know that—that's kind of, a, I guess, a sarcastic way of describing that. But basically, you know, it is—it's a, a leader is an educator. Yeah, um, they teach others how to uh, do well at the tasks that they're tasked to do. Yeah, um, they help guide. Um, they're visionaries. You know, they—they uh-huh. they, they're supposed to be able to see into the future. So that um, whatever it is that they're leading, I always kind of equated to that team, the captain of the ship. You know, it's something we say a lot yeah, here too. Yeah. The captain of the ship, because they're the ones that are driving, whether it's an organization, a business, a community forward, that they need to know where they're wanting to go, where they're wanting to head to. And they're also supposed to be able to help encourage and teach others to be able to help in unison to be able to get this uh, larger vessel moving into the direction that they've always wanted to go. Um, and so when you're, was that the only position of leadership that you were in was when you were uh, uh, the, the student council president? I believe that's what Stuco stands for. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yes. For only like 10 minutes and then I was out. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is not for me. I think that for me, um, I, I, I've been in several positions of leadership. Really? Um, during my college years, I was the leader of several student organizations. Um, even during my culinary years, I was something that they call a, a sous chef. Sous which, chef. Which is, I guess, kind of like a, a, a co-manager. Ah, okay. E- equivalent to that in other types of uh, businesses. And then so, you know, leading people, teaching people how to do things. And basically, you know, kind of being the mule that gets struck with the whip. When things are going awry. And so those were some of the positions that I held that um, at least kind of got me a taste of what leadership is. And then um, I guess in terms of your experiences, uh, whether that was through school, work or anything like that, were there uh, some people that you identified that you thought were good leaders? And uh, from those good leaders, what was it about them that made them good leaders? So like throughout my schooling years? Just in, 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 life, in, in general? general. Um. I don't know. I I don't really think that <laughs> I don't really think that there was any good leadership. I mean, my soul and my gua would be the ones to lead me, but their most, you know, their main task was to hit me upside the head and until I did something right. But 
you know, as far as leading, I don't know if that you can consider that leadership. <laughs> I I think for me, you know, I've I've been very fortunate in terms of I guess um, my development as a professional. Yeah, because um, with the work that I was involved in in the university areas at Arizona State University and the University of Arizona, and haven't even out here on the reservation. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to work for former uh, board of regent members. I've been fortunate to work for um, the first Native American woman appointed to a federal judgeship. And so I've been able to learn from people that kind of have this um, this this high foundation and high, uh, this, this foundation in terms of how people perceive them and um, being able to inspire communities. And so those are some fortunate um, experiences that I've had to be able to watch them and witness them and then learn from them to how to become a good leader. But I think some of the greatest leadership that I've, I've ever experienced was my time working in the kitchens Mm. because um working in the kitchens it's so stereotypical of what you see on television like yeah like like that's the one that's the one thing where television actually does a good job in stereotyping something to where it actually describes it accurately so if you've ever seen the show hell's kitchen no where where um you know the guys yelling crazy and throwing things and and that type of um that type of work environment that's actually you know kind of how it is it's kind of like that working in the kitchen i like to watch uh iron chef you know, yeah. Iron Chef. You remember the Iron Chef? Yeah, I remember yeah. the Iron Chef. That's oh, man, show. that is so cool, Iron Chef. That's a good show. And so, uh, but working in the kitchen, you know, just uh, the leaders that I worked under, I think that some of the um, skill sets that they have that really made me admire them, that really made me respect them, and that really made me want to follow them yeah. was that, number one, they demonstrated strong work ethic, that I saw them day in and day out busting their ass And then the other thing that they demonstrated was that they were very efficient at the jobs that they do, because then that helped me to trust them so that uh, I could trust them so that they could teach me Mm. to to do the job that I needed to do. And so those were some of the kind of, I guess, uh, standout type of uh, qualities and skills that those leaders had that really helped me to kind of, you know, become this person that I am because really working in the kitchen, it really is, especially at the, at the five star five diamond level, you know, yeah. where, something that I always talk about working at that level. It really is the, the closest thing to perfection that I've ever experienced to where you're working with people who um, generally care about the work that they do yeah. and generally care about the overall outcome of how the restaurant performs yeah and you know aside from that i've rarely ever experienced that ever again and so that was something that you know kind of really struck home with me and i always thought that it was because of strong leadership that something like that was able to happen Mm. but you still you still know how now now i'm hungry (laughs) you still know how to cook right you just you know you still know how to do all the 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 sous chef stuff i i think it's like riding a bike you know you get back in there and all of a sudden you know you're 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 throwing pans and uh yelling and expecting your kids to respond to you yes chef (laughs) (laughs) you know remember that that phrase that you just said um it's like riding a bike basically Yeah, yeah i tried to ride a bike you know last week and i forgot how to ride a bike so the saying's not true. So then. the saying is not true. God damn it, you lied to me. <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, going on that, kind of establishing at least what we think leadership is, 
and kind of, you know, uh, I guess creating this basis for today's conversation. Um, what do you know about the traditional Hopi leadership system? I guess is there a traditional Hopi leadership system. I, yeah, there is a Hopi or, leadership. Or is it just uh, too many chiefs and not enough Indians? <laughs> too many chiefs, not enough uh, pipes to go around? or what? <laughs> Not enough tongos? Not enough beva. <laughs> That stuff's going to go but extinct I, pretty soon. I think that, you know, there there is a systematic of leadership in villages where you have the chief and you have his lavai uh, aimat and then you have, you know, the um, like the war chief the, or whatever, the crier. Uh, and then you have all of the other uh, society chiefs that go along with that. And I think there's around 12, 13 chiefs. Some like that in in different villages or in a village that make up um, the leadership in the uh, in the village itself. So, like going off of that, uh, all of these, the, the, you know, the leadership there in tradition kind of has similarities to like Bahana leadership. You know, you have like the the overall seer or the sayer or what whatnot, and then you have the you have uh, like little managers here and there I, I you know i'm kind of painting a picture for you it, it's fun watching you drown <laughs> in the water you know i'm just gonna stand here and just watch you hey i the very i bottom. know it's if i can draw pictures for you i would <laughs> and it's well <laughs> you know what um do you do you remember that mtv show um it's called catfish i think it's called catfish catfish that's do the one with the navajo that is that's the one with the navajo navajo that got yeah, catfish yeah, that one yeah. yeah did you did you watch that no episode? i never watched that i just heard you, you didn't watch that episode that. i'm a real stickler like because you know i i always make this argument that native people american indian people indigenous people whatever you want to call us, yeah that we're such a small population that anytime you're in a position to speak to a larger audience yeah about native cultures or communities communities, histories, so forth, that I'm always, I always expect people to be as accurate as possible. Yeah. Because then, you know, the people that you're speaking to, more than likely, that's the only time that they're going to hear from a native person. Yeah. And so whatever information that they obtain from whoever they're listening to, that, you know, they're going to take that with them. And in their mind, that's, that's, that's yeah. how it is. Well, that's how it is. Well, I'm Hopi. If you pay me, then I'll give you all the right information, so... <laughs> well we'll get back to something in terms of trust with you but back to the catfish story so so the catfish episode i remember that um the crew the non-native crew they were eating at the fry bread house down yeah. in phoenix yeah and then they were talking about you know trying to figure out you know who's catfishing this girl and then there was a native woman in in the fry bread house and then, you know, she overheard them or something. Yeah. But because the person that was doing the catfishing claimed that they were a chief. They were a young chief in their in their community. But then I remember the woman telling the the producers or whoever they are, the, the non-native folks that the the um the hosts of the show. Yeah. That, um no tribe has a traditional leadership system anymore. And that boiled my blood. I was so angry because then it's like, well, Hopi <laughs> still have 
a leadership, a leadership system yeah. in place. And so that was something that kind of really pissed me off. And I did the whole Facebook thing, you know, <laughs> because it's so it's so hard, I think, in this day and age to really say anything. Yeah. Especially amongst our own native folks. Yeah. Because then like that, you know, like if you come from a tribe that unfortunately has lost a lot, that you probably don't have a traditional leadership system in place. Yeah. And so if you live in a part of the country where maybe, you know, all of the neighboring tribes around you are in the same position where they don't have this uh, traditional leadership system, that that kind of becomes the idea that nobody has it. But yet Hopis do. Yeah. Other tribes do. Our New Mexico uh, Pueblo relatives, I believe, still have some sort of system in place and, you know, probably some other tribes. And so that was something that kind of at least that ties to the topic of our, of our conversation that in terms of trying to be accurate. And so we've talked about it prior before on this episode, this uh this dangerous thing of generalizing yeah when we kind of throw everybody in the same pot and so that's something that you know i've always argued against but you know i guess that's kind of a discussion for uh, another episode but i guess going back to our our hopi traditional leadership system that we do have a chief we do have a traditional leadership system that involves i guess you could call them chiefs yeah, but we call them mowies yep. in our language, which um, I could mean chief, but it also could be it could also translate to leader. It could also translate to person in charge. Yeah, and so maybe not necessarily really meaning chief, but the person that's in charge for whatever that mong word is associated with. And so I guess the highest level of leadership within our traditional system is the gik mongi. Yeah, that would be the village the, chief. The village chief. And then from there, there are all these other chiefs that are in charge of different things. And so if you're familiar with our culture, um, for, for the Hopis that are listening that know about our ceremonial uh, calendar, that all of these ceremonies that are intertwined with the calendar, all those ceremonies have their own chief. Oh, yeah. So you have uh, certain ceremonies, for example, some that we've talked about, the ladies' ceremonies, the Owakel uh, Society or the Lalkon Society, they have their mongwis. Uh, snake dance has their mongwis. And, you know, there's a, a kachina mongwi, somebody that's in charge of that area. And all these other different um, components within our village have some sort of uh, somebody that's in charge. Yeah. That's associated with it. And I think that one of the differences between Hopi, uh, I, I guess, Hopi leadership system from the traditional context is that in order to become a person within these leadership positions, you have to belong to a specific clan, correct? Yeah, you have to belong to a specific clan. And, you know, the there are clanships within the Hopi society that that hold these certain powers or hold these certain positions within the village. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just not like, you know, oh, I, you know, I volunteer to become, you know, uh, uh, you know, camp counselor. For <laughs> I'd like to, uh, here's my hundred signatures so I could be the Munhongwi <laughs> for, for the butterfly dance. <laughs> when are the elections? <laughs> And I, I don't think it's it's through elections or anything. I think it's through like your 
your position in the the village itself, or within your clan, or within your clan, or within your clan. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I guess, and in, in, you know, and and maybe that's true for some villages still today, but definitely in the Hisset time, in the long, long ago, that um, each clan, kind of within their own clanships, had their own leadership. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so it was those leaders that chose who was going to follow next in line to serve in these leadership positions. And so I think that at least in regards to Hopi, definitely going into a leadership position within the traditional context, it definitely involved almost a lifetime of proving yourself worthy to be into one of these positions. And so um, uh, the, what the old people would say that, you know, in terms of choosing leadership, they would really look at people, how they live their life. Yeah. If they live the good life, if they have a good heart, because I think that another big difference between a traditional Hopi leadership system and the Bahan leadership system, you know, like we talked about the mayor, yeah. the mayor of a city, yeah. or the governor of a state or the president of the United States. One of the common terms that you always hear is, the separation of church and state. Yes. So that religion doesn't influence who's in the position of leadership. But with the traditional Hopi way, that's completely the opposite. Mm -hmm. That church and state are one in the same. Yes. And so even if you're going to be a leader of a village, a Kikbongwe, you are still required to serve as a leader within the ceremonies as a result of being the Kikmung. Yes. And so that's kind of really a big difference. And I think that kind of really shows, you know, like how spiritual we are, um, how much uh, faith we put into uh, higher powers, into um, our, our, I guess, our gods. Yeah. And so I, I think that those are kind of some of those, those big differences. And um, I think that, you know, for, for, one thing that I was thinking about, people like myself and you, people like us, we're kind of like this in-between generation. Yeah. Because like we've talked a lot about our grandparents, about our parents who were probably living during a time when a lot of these chiefs, the real chiefs, I guess, were, were still living. Um, and then uh, but coming into our generation, um, we only hear the stories. Yeah. We only hear uh, um I guess stories about those types of folks. And, you know, like how many villages around here still have like their traditional leaders? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, like, you know, there there are various um, uh, villages that don't have a traditional leadership anymore, but heavily rely on the Hopi government. And that's basically another story there. Mm -hmm, so that's mm -hmm. that's you know that's that's going off into like a Bahana slash Hopi world, I guess you could say, with leadership in itself like that. So, mm -hmm. so even within this context of leadership, it really is, uh, I guess, navigating two different ways. Of yeah, leadership system, um, because you did mention that you mentioned um, this Bahana version of leadership that we do have on our reservation. Uh, one of those being uh, the Hopi Tribal Council. Yeah, um, and the way that you get involved with that, and I think what's unique for you and I is that we both come from villages that don't participate in the Hopi Tribal Council. No, no, we don't have a we don't have anybody that represents our village within the Hopi Tribal Council. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because we choose not to, but we don't have traditional leadership in our villages. So we're kind of stuck in this 
like limbo-esque kind of thing, I guess you could say, but still practicing Hopi traditions as well without traditional leadership. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it kind of makes sense like that, so. And let's hear a word from our very first sponsor. Are you a runner? Do you like to stay fit? Do you want to support local businesses? Well, here's a word from our first sponsor, Strong Ones. Strong Ones is dedicated to exposing cultural traditions of running that exist within many cultures and tribes worldwide through running apparel. Strong Ones is an individually owned business supporting cultural running traditions and supporting local organizations within the Hopi Reservation. They can be found at strongones.myshopify.com. Again, that's strongones.myshopify.com. They are also on Facebook at strongones15. And so that is a, I guess that's a kind of an interesting dynamic because then, you know, like that, like I, I think that for, um, I guess the betterment of a community, the yeah. betterment of a society, it would make sense that everybody should be all on the same page. Yeah. That everybody kind of agrees with um, what it is that the community is doing to prosper, yeah. to grow, to develop, and to, to get better. But out here, I think that, you know, we're very still, um, I, I guess, uh, not on the same page. That we're still very much, um, I guess, kind of dissected. And I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, people kind of see that as a negative. That, you yeah. know, that we're, we're not on the same page. That we kind of um, don't really um, agree with each other. But I've always thought of it as like this. It's the fact that, you know, because our culture and our religion was so important to our elders and the people before them. That they really fought hard to be able to retain it. And so... Uh, you coming from the village of Hotvela and then me coming from the village of Munkapi, I, I would argue, you know, that they're kind of, you know, two of the more traditional villages um, out here on Hopi because they refuse to send um, members to the Hopi tribal council uh, because they in their in within our villages. What we hear is that they don't acknowledge the Hopi tribal council as being the, the leaders of yeah. the Hopi people. Because from the traditional context, it's always the Kikmongwe that's always been the traditional leader. And so I guess in terms of your village, Hotvela, um, what, what are some things that you have heard or witnessed to attest to that? The fact that they've tried to stick to kind of a more traditional uh, form of leadership. Well, you, for, you forgot Songopavi, where they they are actually, they don't have anybody representing them themselves. They do have the entire representation of a traditional leadership there, where mm-hmm, they have mm-hmm. Kikmongwi, Almongwi, you know, Kwanmongwi, you know, all of these different type of uh, chiefs there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, our villages, um, we don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, we're considered like this limbo-esque kind of village where we don't even know if we're tradition, tr- traditional or we're <laughs> like, you know, Bahana kind of like, or the, you know, following the white man's village there. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. so in, you know, in Hotvela, uh, we don't have any uh, leaders. We don't have anybody that, that leads us to um, like, even we, we don't have traditional leaders. We don't have anybody that like a mayor, we don't have anything like that. So we're kind of just, you know, out there. <laughs> No, no governor, huh? We don't have a governor. 
<laughs> no mayor. <laughs> no mayor. Well, you know, I'm the I'm the actually the leader of Hot Vela right now. So. <laughs> Self appointed leader. Self appointed leader. I had to get about hundred signatures. You know, kiss babies and you know sign some autographs. You know, you know the whole thing like that. Wave the little flag around. <laughs> and you know, it really is an interesting dynamic because then you know, I I think that I guess from the larger scope of looking at tribes, yeah. I think for the most part, most people think of, you know, who, who's your leader? You're thinking of uh, a chairman or you're thinking of like the, the president, you okay. know, the, the president so, of a tribe. So like what does the chairman do per se for the Hopi tribe here? Uh-huh. So what does he do? I think he talks on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I seen him have like the, uh, what is it? The YouTube videos going drives, on. Drives around a nice SUV. <laughs> He has a nice tie. <laughs> but I, I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, the uniqueness of Hopi is that the fact that, you know, when you think about these larger tribes, when you think about their uh, leadership, it's a chairman, it's a president, it's somebody that's yeah. kind of involved with this Bahana version yeah. of governance. But when you look at Hopi and then you think of that, like the tribal chairman, you know what I mean? And so a lot of non-Hopis that want to learn about Hopi, they would think, okay, the tribal chairman is in charge of everything. Yeah, He's in charge of everybody. Yeah, But, you know, in terms of the folks that live here, that's not necessarily the consensus agreement. No. That, that that's the person that's in charge because I think that you know for especially for folks that don't know is that um, each village is in charge of their own land base yeah and so in a way Hopi is almost like the United States in that it's a united village so like United Nations United yeah. Village of America yeah and so each village is its own state. Yeah. Each village controls its own land base. And traditionally, each village had its own leadership. So basically, like, you know, like if you were like to centralize everything. So to kind of get an idea, like the whole Hopi tribe uh, as kind of like with the chairman, vice chairman and every. Uh, they're like the United States to give each of the villages like different money to mm-hmm, con- mm-hmm, to have mm-hmm. them control their own I guess their own destiny or their own way, I guess you could say. Exactly. I, I, think, yeah. that's, I think that's a really good way of, of, of putting that forward. But I think that unfortunately, you know, and you said it, that like due to colonization, due to assimilation, that a lot of the villages have lost um, the strength of that traditional leadership yeah. system. So some, villi- some villages do rely heavily on their uh, village representation that they send to the Hopi Tribal Council, that they do rely heavily on the word of the tribal council, whether that's the chairman or any other person that's within those positions. And then you, you mentioned uh, Songopavi. Out of the 12 Hopi villages that are in existence today, four of them choose to not send representation to the Hopi tribal council yeah. because that's their decision. And basically, they use it as a way to say that, no, we do not acknowledge the Hopi tribal council as our leader. Yeah. As our Mongwis, we retain that leadership within ourselves. And so you mentioned Songopavi, the other village is Oraivi, and then your village, Hotvala, and then my village, Munkapi. And every time that I, I say Munkapi, I always mean lower. 
<laughs> and, you know, it's it's kind of un- unfortunate because that, you know, since I've been working out here and, you know, uh, intermingling more so yeah. with a lot of Hopi folks out here that they really don't know the difference between the upper and lower village. And um, I know that a lot of people probably would prefer to say that, you know, we're kind of uh, together, yeah. that we're united. But unfortunately, like, like for me, I, I think it's always important to know your history. I think that it's always important to understand the the contexts from which we came because it was always lower munqapi that rejected the pahana ways of things. And so lower munqapi, and I always refer it to as pas munqapi, <laughs> the real munqapi, you know, you know, I kind of... Uh, kind of a, a way of saying it that people might, might not like, but that's the actuality of it. Uh-huh. That's the, the, what actually, what, what is real, I guess, in see, terms of the history. See, when we, when we were in high school, when we were in grade school, basically, um, I never knew that Munkapi and Upper Munkapi were separate. I mm-hmm. thought you guys just came from the same thing. You guys are brown. You guys must come from, <laughs> you guys must come from the same place, basically. Both so. you guys say, Nee. <laughs> <laughs> both, both of you guys have the M that's going like this, so you guys represent that way. Both, both you guys uh, <laughs> like onions. Both of you get stereotypical munkup <laughs> trait. You guys, when you guys say run and hope, you guys say wadi. Yeah, basically that's. <laughs> I thought you guys were all the same. So I, it was kind of it was weird because they when you're in high school, you never say I'm from lower munkapi or I'm from you know upper munkapi. You just say I'm from munkapi. So that's kind of that that mindset where I was like, oh, okay, you guys are from Munkapi. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I never knew that. I, I, I This was basically just as true. I never knew that there were separate in a way. Uh-huh. I knew that they were kind of not together like, you know, like some parents around here in Hopi, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, you know, and I, I think that it's it's kind of a good prelude to towards history, you know, especially like like that, like from the villages that we come from. Um, I, I guess you could say that it was the result of an introduction of the white man's way of leadership. Yeah. That kind of drove a lot of our people to kind of separate. Yeah. Because then I think that some folks, they saw the benefits of, of adopting a, a white man's version of governance, of adopting that way of life, because then you see like the technology and then you see what money can buy. And so you kind of see it as this way of maybe a better way of living for your people. Yeah. And so that's why I think a lot of folks, you know, chose to go that direction to move towards the um, white man's form of governance. But I think for some Hopis that truly believed in our traditional ways, they were so stubborn to that point where they said, no, we're always going to do things the old Hopi way. And I think that your village, my village, Oraivi, Songopavi, and, you know, maybe some of the other villages to an extent, really, um, I guess, created that foundation for their village in terms of, you know, who they are today. And, you know, the if you go back in history and when you learn about the history of our uh, Hopi government, like, you know, where we have the chairman, the vice chairman, that was basically made underneath the Peabody act where it was like you know hey we you know these bahanas came in and said that hey we want to you know destroy your land here for you know you know about- we'll give you some change for it <laughs> you know here's here's a here's, here's a, a couple a, bucks here's a blanket and you know and some sticks of butter or something <laughs> like that. and uh hope he's like butter right you know 
But no, it was it was created by the Peabody, and it was it was created because um, we they had to actually legally ask us to say that yeah, we can give you our land, and so we kind of got an we kind of got a bad deal with that. I guess you could say you know we didn't we didn't cash in our chips in time, and they kind of expired. You know, yeah, like yeah. the casinos. <laughs> And, you know, I think that that's a good point. I guess moving on into um, contemporary leadership. Yes. I guess so, like, contemporary leadership. We've talked about the Hopi Tribal Council and um, that form of leadership way. I, I think that, you know, it's kind of, it's really difficult that if you were, I guess, bred to think a certain way, yeah. to believe a certain way, you know, like a, a traditional Hopi way, yeah. you shift that mentality to a completely monetary type of mentality where yeah. you stop seeing the land as a part of who you are, but you see it as something to be developed, to see it as something that you can cash out on and, you know, make a lot of money because that's, that type of mentality is foreign to Hopis in terms of how we perceive our land base, how we perceive our people how we perceive our spiritual being and our physical well-being. And so I think that, you know, this kind of, uh, this Bahana form of thinking of the world was very different for our people. And so I've always believed that because of those, uh, that unique difference is the reason why um, we kind of really struggled yeah. to, to grasp this uh, Bahana form of governance and leadership in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And, you know, with that, with that in, in mind is that we as Hopis never knew that this type of government existed, although it, it kind of has qualities with the Bahanda government and Hopi government. But, you know, there, it's it's if you really look at it, I mean, it's basically like different from every, you, you know, like oil and water kind of like in a way, in a way yeah. it really is. And so I think that kind of a combination of the makeup of what we've talked about already, yeah. how, the, how the villages kind of control their own land base around their villages, on top of not everybody fully agreeing that the Hopi Tribal Council is the true leadership of the Hopi people. I think that that's kind of created some of the issues in terms of like things that we've talked about before, like economic development, right? Yeah. Um, to be able to get that off the ground and to be able to uh, make that um, successful for our people or other types of things that um, we try to do for our people that has a real hard time to uh, make it move forward. And so I think that some of the um, experiences that I've had and some of the things that I've witnessed coming back, I think that it really is um, difficult for folks here on the reservation to kind of grasp this idea of how to uh, function. Yeah, as as a government, as as a white man form of government, or how to function with some of these programs that we have, um, I, I have a question for you. Okay, and uh, this question is probably going to be what uh, gets us uh, canceled off the air, <laughs> first episode. All right, um, what are some experiences or stories that you might have in the in regards to the leadership that you've seen out here that kind of just really made you shake your head? Oh my god! Uh, like if you go to tribal council, and we can talk. You know, this could be probably a whole episode with just talking about tribal council. I mean, if you go in there, I mean, they're they're there just to. Um, I wouldn't say waste time. I would just say they're there to like 
uh, talk about certain topics until one of them says, okay, let's vote on this thing here or let's table this thing here. I thought you were going to (laughs) say they talk about certain topics until somebody falls asleep. (laughs) Please don't cancel us. I hope you cancel. (laughs) If you're listening to this, so we're sorry. (laughs) But anyway, I mean, like, that's the whole idea of like, when, when you see leadership here on the Hopi Reservation, especially within the uh, the context of Hopi slash Bahana leadership, you, you see it in a context of where it's like, how are you in that position? How did you get into that position without that proper knowledge of being that person of, you know, leadership, I guess, that leadership qualities? So... I, I think that, you know, some of the issues are is that um, a lot of people out here don't understand a lot of, um, I, I guess, a lot of components in, in regards to making business run. Because essentially, you know, I think that that term business or, or yeah. being a business person, I think that kind of relates to a lot of things, even within leadership, because then you have to within this Bahana form of stuff, you have to know how to um maintain a budget yeah or you have to know how to um coordinate certain things you have to know procedures especially like within the tribal government context you know maybe you have to learn something about like land development yeah you have to learn um i guess policies and in steps that you have to take in order to make a building for example yeah but i think that because a lot of that is very foreign to us that when we do get into those positions to have to tackle those things, yeah, that it, you kind of almost have to either learn on your own or you try to learn from the people that came before you. Yeah. But because I think because of technology and how things change so quickly that it's almost like you learn it one day and then it changes and then you have to learn it again. And I've always felt that in terms of, I guess, overall within our communities out here, I think that the technology has kind of always been a big deterrent yeah. in terms of how uh, our ability to be able to move forward. Because then when you're in uh, one of these very few positions, and I think that's kind of an important thing to highlight is that there are very few positions out here within our governments, within our education system, within our healthcare system, that when you get into one of those positions that you, you kind of, you know, hold on to it as, as long as you can, because if you lose that job, you know, it's very difficult to get another one. Yeah, exactly. And isn't, isn't, um, uh, when, when is the Hopi elections for like chairman and vice chairman? When is, when are they? When is that again? I don't know. My village don't send council members. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want I want to know when that is again. You know, because when when you hear uh, traditional leaders, or when you hear, I mean, when you hear the leaders that want to run for like office to become chairman, to become vice chairman, you hear the same spiel every every time, where it's like, you know, yeah, I want to economic development. I'm going to cut taxes or. <laughs> Here on the reservation, you know, 99 cent hot Cheetos. I'm going to open the casino. (laughs) And you hear the same spiel of like, you know, education comes first or like, let's make sure that our children have a proper education so they can come back to the reservation and they can teach their people all of these different wild things. Per capita for all Hopis. (laughs) Vote (laughs) J-Man. 
And and when you hear that, you know, you you hear the promises of like, oh yeah, you know, he's going to create like jobs for the Hopi people here, or like he's going to build something that we can uh, get money from, that we can live with, or something like that. And but year after year, nothing really happens in that in in the positions that they're in, and it's not because they they're you know, they're lacking uh, these different structures like that. Mm-hmm. It's because of the traditions that hold Hopi back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the thing that gets in the way, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds very, very bad, but that's what's holding us back to becoming uh, like... To becoming rich. To becoming rich. You know, I want to become rich. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Because, you know, like casinos, for example. Yeah. We've never, were a gaming tribe and it always fell back because that's considered kohopi. Yeah. Gambling is kohopi, you know, which means it's, it's not in line with our belief system. Yeah. And so that was always something that was always kind of rejected by the people. But I think that at some point, you know, somebody saw a dire situation in terms of our economy. Yeah. And so it was pushed through yeah. to the dismay of a lot of people. And now we're a gaming tribe. Yeah, we are a gaming tribe. But we're So in... point me to the poker table and I'll uh, <laughs> get my game on. Although we do have a gaming compact, I guess you could say, you know, we're not, we don't have that power of like, you know, building casinos or anything like that. So we don't even have a grocery store out here. <laughs> Yeah, we do. Just right down the road. You can get Surefine products. <laughs> Those are top quality stuff there. Yeah, great fried chicken. <laughs> it's chicken done nine ways. <laughs> but I, I guess, you know, and, and you know, that that's kind of the dynamic of it. You yeah. Know, that, that's the dynamic of it out here. And I think it's pretty consistent, you know, with a lot of reservations that, you know, they kind of struggle within their um, leadership systems, within yeah. their tribal governments. Yeah. And you're right. You know, a lot of it has to do with not necessarily the leaders being incompetent, but just numerous variables, obstacles that are kind of created that, you know, prevent them from really doing the things that they want to do or being able to, you know, kind of correct things. And I always thought that that was kind of weird. Like, like what, what? makes it so hard to do things that are beneficial for everybody it is it's, it's kind of hard to please everybody you know like uh like with the k-town pickles or hot Vela pickles you know you have certain types of flavors but yet you want to please everybody uh with with that kind of you know aspect right there but somebody down the line will say like you know both of them suck anyway so <laughs> those city hopies <laughs> They're not Piccadillys, they're pickle slushies. <laughs> so that's, I guess that's kind of the, the aspect of how we perceive leadership in a way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so I, I guess that kind of brings us to this other topic that we've kind of discussed um, in, in conversations outside of the podcast is this idea of fighting for leadership. Yeah. Not only do you see it within the tribal government, but you also see it within our traditional forms of leadership. Oh yeah, we do. We do have a lot of that. That's you know that fighting that goes on. I don't know why people want to fight for mong mong mong, chair, mong positions. Mong mong positions. <laughs> like like what what's the what's the proper term? Mong nanakasi. You know that that whole term like that. Mong kani. You know, that that whole thing. And 
you know, we when you see that, when you see that happening, it's like, why do you want to become a leader so bad? What what makes you think that you can do a better job than the next or the last person that's Mungui? Uh huh. Yeah, I, I think that that was something that I I mentioned to you is that you know I never understand why people fight for p- positions of leadership because when you are in those positions of leadership it requires so much of your time yeah it requires so much of your own personal resources nowadays yeah um, and it causes a lot of stress it does it does because cause. when you're a leader out here on the reservation the moment that you do something that people don't like you're on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's talking about you on Facebook. Yep, exactly. And without you know, with these types of certain positions that uh, certain men or women hold within the community, you know, it it just you just can't please everybody in that community to see the way that you see as a leader. So I guess that's the reason why people want to like have that. Fighting for the Mongwe chair, like you know, like the what was it? The Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, kind of like G- Game of Mongkanis. <laughs> <laughs> so it it is it is kind of hard, and you when you look at that, when you see that, then it kind of gets you that or gives you that idea, like you know, oh, we don't even have proper leadership that can, uh, you know, like uh, what what do you say? Uh, that can please the community in certain ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm easy to please. You know, you give me a couple bucks. You know, I I'll I'll be your uh, I'll be Kevin's. Uh, you know, Kevin Cosner. G- give you a couple of dollars and drop you off at Christie's, <laughs> and you got a big smile on your face. <laughs> give me some money, I'll be Kevin Cosner's bitch for a day. So, <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, when I was living off the reservation, I think that one of my favorite stories, because, you know, you do, you talk to other natives yeah. and you talk about leadership, yeah. you talk about your tribal governments and you talk about your traditional forms of leadership. But one of my favorite stories that I always used to like to talk about with uh, these people that weren't necessarily familiar with Hopi culture was the, the Tsukka stories. Yeah. The Tsukka stories of when they would come in. Uh, when they would come during the summer dances and when they would descend from the rooftops and they would see all the katinam and they would be real excited and they would, you know, try to claim the katinam for yeah. themselves. And they would try to tell each other, no, this is mine. This is not yours. And then when it came time for them to uh, make their speeches yeah. to the the katinamongwi, to the, to the one that's in charge, and, you know, when they would finally address him he would the tsukkas would always tell them that you know mongwe, happy mongwe, i'm i'm the chief i'm the leader and then when the next tsukka would go and talk after the preceding tsukka he would always say that that tsukka is lying to and that I'm the real chief. Yeah. And then, you know, that thing... It ins- goes down the it, line it like that. Yeah. And I think that the old um, lesson behind that practice that they do yeah. is that we're going to get to this point where we're actually doing that, where we're actually fighting for these positions of leadership, where we're telling folks that, no, the person that's saying that they're in charge, they're not really in charge. I'm really in charge. And so the old people, when... People do that in real life. They say that buma that they're acting like tukus. Yeah. So somebody that would claim that they're the captain of the ship, 
in regards to this podcast is the biggest sticker here, <laughs> which is J-Man, <laughs> the sous chef, five-star diamond, you know, platinum, go five-star. Well, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> so I guess Carl's the sticker mungui. <laughs> well, it's almost that time to uh, wrap up here. Oh so, man! I know it's an hour gone by. Quick hour, and, hour goes by really no, hour quick. Hour goes by quick, and you know we're just getting back into the swing of the swing of this. Yeah, we're excited. I'm very excited, we're excited for this for, for a season lot of two. Things. Yeah. So, and one of the things that we wanted to mention before we get kicked out of here, okay, is that you know in order for us to expand and to grow, yeah. uh, even further, um, we do appreciate your li- we do appreciate you listening to our episodes. But one of the things that we also would appreciate too, if you do have the means to be able to do so, is go visit us on uh, Anchor.fm forward slash CJ Podcast eighty five, and maybe drop a couple of shekels into our little donate. Oh, yeah. And that we have there. You can uh, donate $1 a month. You can donate $5 a month. You can donate $10 a month or to whatever amount that you choose. And you can stop that at any time. And a little bit goes uh, a long way for us. So that's something that we'd appreciate. Oh, yeah, exactly. And a huge shout out to the people who house us here at Studio Peace Academy here. So we're uh, here at Peace Academy yep, Studio. Beautiful downtown Gigot's Movie, Arizona. And another big shout out to Miller. Goanyama. Ah, yeah. Miller Goanyama. is a big supporter yes. of our podcast. Thank he, you, Miller. Gua, thank gua. you, Miller. Thank you for that. So if you're listening, Miller, thank you for your contribution and thank you for uh, making our episodes uh, the way that we want to do it for you. And then we'd also like to thank our first sponsors, uh, Strong Ones Running Company, ah, whose ad yes. that you heard earlier. Yes. And so thank if you. you own your own business, if you run your own organization and you'd like to get some more promotion and you'd like to partner with the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast, please send us an email at uh, cjpodcast85 at gmail.com. Yes. And we'll send you some information about how to sponsor the show. And we are doing a giveaway on Facebook as we speak. So, as we speak. And so uh, before this episode airs, uh, I think we're going to be choosing a, we're already being chosen a winner, right? Yeah, so I don't know why you brought that up. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, congratulations to the winners that were announced on Facebook. And we'll definitely be doing more giveaways. And we will be doing more giveaways throughout season two. So look out for that. I'm your host, Carl. And this is my co-host, J-Man. Thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. And we'll see you next week for episode two. Hopey women. All right. Well, so long. Bye.